started the firm with, with one idea in mind, and that was to take advantage of hundreds of millions of commercial security cameras that are around the world, put a video analytics software that could integrate to those existing security cameras, and that software was only going to look for one thing, and that was going to be visible guns. Welcome to the podcast series, Rain Insights on Security with Brian Lynch. Today, Brian's talking with Kieran Carroll from ZeroWise about the company's software technology. Think of it as an early warning system. For global security departments, this technology could become part of their capabilities around threat identification, particularly related to workplace safety strategies and even active shooter situations. Let's listen in. Welcome, Kieran, to the podcast today to discuss active shooter mitigation strategies, primarily for global security departments in their overall strategy to limit risk exposure for their employees, their firms, and visitors. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be on the podcast. Excellent. So let's start by telling us about your firm, Zero Eyes. Sure. Yeah, Zero Eyes is a technology company based outside of Philadelphia, and we've been around since 2018. We actually started the company right after the Parkland shooting happened back in, in 2018. The team is primarily uh, former military special operators. Most of us went and worked corporately after uh, leaving military service, um, and we started the firm with, with one idea in mind, and that was to take advantage of hundreds of millions of commercial security cameras that are around the world. And what we proposed to do was put a video analytics software that could integrate to those existing security cameras. And that software was only going to look for one thing, and that was going to be visible guns. If you guys remember, you know, the Parkland shooter was staged in a stairwell under a field of view of an existing security camera with a visible gun for about a minute or so prior to actually going and, and um, you know, committing that act of violence. And our company looked at that and said, well, this is an opportunity for us to identify an alert to an active shooter prior to someone entering the building or coming from a traditional staging area. So that's the idea that we went to market with. We recruited uh, a world-class technology team, uh, folks who are doing some of the most cutting-edge video analytics um, and, and computer vision analytics in the world. And since 2018, uh, we started with a, a small group of, of guys. We've uh, increased the size of the company dramatically. We're at about 40 employees right now. And what we have found is that we have product market fit across very, very wide verticals. So for us, it's going to be, you know, public K through 12 districts here in the United States, as well as higher education campuses, commercial uh, enterprise organizations such as shopping malls and corporate corporate campuses, big box retail, uh, healthcare, gaming, financial services, and then uh, we've also found a home within the the, the government. So state, local, and then federal government, uh, primarily within the Department of Defense as well. So we're doing other stuff, I think, more more boutique computer vision analytics and building software for the Department of Defense. But what it all kind of uh, tracks back to is the ability to detect visible firearms. Um, and, and that's our goal. We want to be the best in the world at being able to do that. Yeah, thanks for that overview, Kieran. And let's let's start the conversation today around the technology. And uh, I've heard you say to me in the past that the data sets that you use, the ability to collate that information inside of your algorithms is, uh, is, is pretty powerful. So 
Can you explain uh, for the listeners uh, a little bit about your technology that you use? Sure. Yeah. So we're what's considered an artificial intelligence company, and we use a subset of AI, which is called computer vision. And the way I like to think about computer vision, computer vision is, is typically a software that's going to be integrated to existing security cameras or, or to any sort of camera in general. And basically what the algorithm does is it looks multiple times per second for you know any kind of object that, that a data set is built around. So for us, it, it's going to be firearms. Unlike a lot of AI companies in the market, and not just in security, but you know in, in the broader market as well, ZeroEyes did not go to the internet to download or web scrape, as it's called, you know, millions of images of guns and, and build that into a data set. A lot, a lot of companies do that. And what we have found is that it's, it's problematic for a bunch of different reasons. For one thing, um, you're at the mercy of how folks on the internet label data. So there's certainly ethical uh, considerations there. Um, the other thing that we've found is that Internet data does not lead to very high performance in real-world deployed environments. So what our company did instead is that we went and built organic data sets. So it was guys from the company you know, early on running around with guns under probably 50 different types of commonly found commercial security cameras. We then took that video, we painstakingly annotated it frame by frame. We actually have a proprietary way that we cancel what I would consider noise or bad data from the data set. So at the end of the day, what you're left with is um, a really, really high confidence data set that's going to lead to, to uh, very high performance in deploy environments. And we've been fortunate, uh, we've been able to, you know, test this real world and uh, across numerous different spaces, um, you know, from education to big commercial enterprise companies to the Department of Defense. So this is something that we're always tweaking. We're, we're always improving it. We have a full data lab um, here in the Philadelphia area. We also employ green screen lab technology. So we can actually take a customer's unique environment, such as like a casino floor or maybe like a big box retail environment, places that are really, really hard to actually go and collect data. We can take that and replicate that in a green screen environment, walk around with guns um, in that environment, and then create unique custom built data sets for those clients. Um, so when you think about it, it's uh, we're, we're a small company, but I think we're innovating pretty, pretty heavily, uh, within this space. Sounds good, Karen. So your firm is about the identification of weaponry and you have curated data sets. So let's talk if you can about false positives and false negatives during the process of the technology view. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think any computer vision company that says that they don't get false positives, uh, you have to, you know, sort of automatically be suspicious there. Um, we, we get false positives all the time. Uh, our algorithm, our algorithm looks for objects in hands, uh, predominantly. Um, so anytime there's an object in a, in a human's hands, it has the possibility of, of becoming a false positive. The way that we reduce false positives is, um, well, there's a couple different things. One is obviously building really high performance data sets. Uh, we, we, we weed out um, you know, thousands of opportunities for an algorithm to think that something's a false positive by, by ingesting really good data. But on top of that, uh, because we're deployed to these like dynamic environments, places like shopping malls, for example, where there's you know, thousands of people within the hallways day to day, um, what we have found is that the, the best way to ensure that a client never gets a false positive that's going to turn into a false alarm is to have a human verify every single alert that hits our platform. 
So when the algorithm uh, you know, makes a detection or something that it thinks is a detection, within milliseconds, it's gonna spit out an alert. Um, we have a zero-eyes verification team that's 24-7, 365. Uh, the team consists of uh, prominently former military veterans who are very comfortable making split-second determinations whether something's a gun or not. And then within a second or two, they're gonna verify that if that's a gun or not. If it's not a gun, they're gonna mark it as a false positive. Uh, so the end user is never going to receive that alert. But also the algorithm then takes that, that image and learns that that's a false positive. Um, so we're, we're constantly training the algorithm, we're constantly tweaking the algorithm. Uh, and the end goal there is obviously to deliver the strongest performance as possible to our, to our clients. False negatives um, is something obviously slightly harder to, to quantify because unless there's an incident, we're typically not going to know whether there was a gun under field of view of that camera, um, unless you know, you know, there's a police response or uh, maybe you know someone unfortunately got shot. Um, false negatives are much harder to quantify, so we're always we're always trying to figure out ways that that we can do that. Realistically, the best way to have an understanding of your false negative performance is to go out and test in as many different environments as possible. So that, that's what the ZeroWise team does. When we go and deploy our software to a client, we're gonna test every camera that we possibly can. And that's gonna involve typically a team member uh, or somebody on the client side walking around with a firearm or an airsoft gun or something like that, that resembles closely a firearm. Um, and if we're, and we should begin detections, right? Like it's uh, the, the, the KPI here is pretty simple. Either you get a detection or you don't. Um, so that, that's about as, I, I think, probably as deep into false negatives as, as we can go. Uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, there's quite a different degree of variability between commercial security cameras uh, here in the United States, right? So th there's different resolutions. There's different heights and angles and, and lighting configurations. Um, all of these variables are things that we take into consideration when, when building these data sets. We, we, we try to go for as broad a possible, as broad a, uh, as possible, within the underlying data sets. So the cameras that we use to build these, these algorithms are, you know, are different heights, um, you know, anything from eight feet all the way up to 30 feet, uh, different lighting configurations, different uh, cameras that run different resolutions. Um, and all these things are gonna sort of have an impact on performance. Um, so with, with very, very good cameras, we get rifle and pistol detections out to, you know, 50, 60, 75 feet or, 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 or longer, um, resolution is really gonna limit the, the distance that the algorithm is able to get detections because scientifically and mathematically, everything breaks down to what's called pixels per foot on target. So that's the algorithm actually uh, mathematically counting pixels and then aligning them to what it thinks is a gun. So hopefully that kind of made sense. I didn't wanna to go too far into the technical weeds. No, that's, that's great, Kieran. What I'm hearing is there's human verification to attempt to solve the false positive problem, reducing that risk, and your false negatives are handled via continual testing and real-life results, and then those real-life results will help with uh, the mitigation from whatever comes from that real-life result wherein something might have been missed. Let me go next, Karen, to global security departments. We typically advise our clients relative to strategies on implementing, managing risks. There's really uh, four areas or what I call four buckets. And it's the identification, the analysis, the response, and then the resolution. 
So global security departments uh, may have those four buckets or areas of their focus in their strategic planning. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I see this as an early warning system to identify problems as quickly as possible. Do I have that right? Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that that assessment. Um, you know, I, I think the beauty in what we're doing is the software is you know persistent twenty four seven as long as that camera is is turned on. The software is going to be proactive, and the, the resulting output of our software is hopefully going to be something actionable. Um, so when, when we tell people that we're trying to be the most proactive and actionable solution on the market, um, it's really because we're able to integrate the software to the cameras that are already in place. Uh, and then the output of, of, of an alert, uh, we're trying to put that into a customer's workflow with, with minimal disruption. Um, so the alerts, uh, depending on the client you know, and, and their preferences, can go to uh, as few or as many different people within the organization as they want. We can send those alerts uh, directly to uh, local uh, 911 dispatch centers, you know, PSAPs, if a client chooses that. Um, and because the, the overarching software framework is what we call API driven, we can also integrate to the existing infrastructure that a client already has as far as communications and notifications and video management systems and access controls. So the end goal there is, um, you're exactly right, it's, it's, it's an early warning system and it's the ability to get that alert to as many different people uh, with decision-making authority as, as possible within that organization. Hold that thought. We'll be right back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. We are talking with Kieran Carroll from Zero Eyes. Can we talk a little bit deeper on the CCTV systems, maybe the video management systems that firms have? And the integration of your product, of this capability, aligned with what they already have in place. What would that look like? If I'm sitting at XYZ Company and I have what I think is a really solid CCTV system, I might have uh, security officers uh, at my lobby, uh, I might have them on patrol. How does this technology integrate with that system and make it better? Let's get to the early warning detection system. How do how does this make that better? Can you go a little bit deeper on that for us, Karen? Sure. Yeah, and I, you know, Brian, I, th I think you would probably agree with this assessment. But uh, you know, humans who are watching hundreds or thousands of of you know tiled video feeds in a GSOC or in some other sort of like security apparatus, uh, humans are, are are not good, right, at, at constantly monitoring and constantly being vigilant. Um, you know, we we tend to lose focus after 20 or 30 minutes. We need constant breaks. Um, that's the beautiful thing about, I think, a, a persistent software, right, is that the algorithm doesn't take breaks. Um, it's always looking. It's always staring. And, and our software in particular is only looking for visible guns, which uh, I think within most organizations is is probably about the highest level threat um, with it, within that GSOC um, that, that, that could happen day to day. Um, so... That's why I think sort of the first part of it, right? But but how do we actually make existing security operating centers um, into more of a force multiplier? Well, it comes down to the fact that, that the software, um, as I think I mentioned earlier, is is API driven. So the output of our software is going to be a keyframe image detection with a timestamp and a geolocation. So essentially, it's it, it's it's a picture of somebody with a gun. It's very, very low bandwidth, it's low throughput. 
which means we're able to blast that alert out to as many different people in the organization that, that need it. And what we currently do on the ZeroEye eye side is that we send that alert out over what we call the ZeroEye's client uh, uh, dashboard. The dashboard consists of a white labeled, uh, basically a website that uh, typically your, your GSOC operator will have up on a, on a TV screen but also a ZeroEyes mobile app. So if you have mobile security officers that are you know, on roving patrols around, around your organization, uh, they're able to get that alert directly to their phone. Uh, and, and then as a, as a redundancy, we, we do text message notification as well. And that's just the, the baseline ZeroEyes platform. On top of that, uh, when, a, when a human verifies something as a true uh, detection, so a, a true alert, we're able to send out this information simultaneously so we can also send it to um, directly to the the local public safety answering point so that that 911 dispatch center and the way that we do that is we're actually able to skip the traditional dispatch process so you know our our zero eyes team will never be put on hold we're never going to go into a call queue we're going to get that verified detection directly to that psap operator on the dashboard that they're already using uh, at which point a phone call will automatically be, be triggered between uh, the ZeroWise operating center and that local PSAP. And that's really just to ensure that they actually got the detection and they're tracking it uh, accordingly. And then on top of that, because we're API driven, we're able to take our alert and push it into the existing infrastructure that a customer is already using. So you mentioned video management systems and with really, really mature clients, uh, you know, typically they're, they're going to have a very sophisticated video management system, something like a Genentech or a Milestone. ZeroWise has integrations built to basically all the leading video management systems that are out there. And what's going to happen is when a verified ZeroWise detection uh, is dispatched, an alarm will trigger within that video management system. So your GSOC operator, who's probably already looking at that video management system and has, you know, tiled video you know, up on their up on their computer or their TV, um, they're going to get that alarm instantaneously. They're able to then uh, you know, take control of cameras, they're able to do follows, they're able to execute their protocols on, you know, that, that the organization already has in place. On top of that, we can also take our alert and integrate it to an access control. So if, if an organization has an automated access control system, we're able to uh, basically relay our detection into that access control system and have uh, those GSOC operators be able to automatically lock down portions of the building or the entire building, um, depending on, on how the logic was, was already built, sort of predefined logic. We also do a lot of integration to what I'll call mass notification platforms. Um, these are oftentimes called uh, emerging notification systems as well. So um, typically, you know, what we're seeing more and more of here in the United States is that you know, I think enterprise level companies are going to solutions like Everbridge or Mutual Link uh, or Raptor Rave. I mean, there's there's probably a dozen or so that have you know pretty good market share here, here in the U.S. If your workforce is already using something like that, we're able to take our alert and put it directly into into that feed. Um, our our end goal is to minimize disruption to the existing workflow. We we want to be able to enhance situational awareness to the folks that that make decisions. Um, and also get these alerts out to, uh, you know, an organization's employees so that they can make their sort of their own decisions, right, on, on how, to, how to, you know, respond to these kinds of threats. Um, so the end goal, I think, and, and this is more and more, I think, what we're seeing across the, the security industry in general is our software is agnostic to 
basically every kind of hardware, right? Any kind of digital IP camera we can we can integrate to, any kind of video management system we can integrate to. Um, and, and that's the beauty of, I think, of software as a service uh, sort of platforms in the security spaces. We're able to take, I think, our, our very niche but universally scalable capability and put it into the infrastructure that a customer has already paid for um, and, and be very cost effective. So I, I don't know if that is a good answer to your question, Brian, but that, that's kind of where, you know, I think we're how we think about directionally. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and your uh, question to me about whether I agree with augmenting the capabilities of security officers is certainly something that we advise our clients on uh, for the reasons that you indicated. Constant, persistent software detection uh, that doesn't take a break or there isn't a shift change or anything like that and it's singly focused on on solving one question, which is, is there a weapon with visible uh, to the camera? Uh, and and if you go back to uh, security departments at firms, their number one priority typically is the protection, safety, and security of people. And this process is one to augment existing security. It may be in a firm that has exceptional security, has a great strategic plan, is well-funded. This particular process augments that existing mature system. And can you, can you talk a little bit about those firms, Kieran, that may not have a full security department that may leverage uh, contractors, vendors they might have a couple of security officers they probably have some cameras how does this help them sure yeah and i i think you already you know definitely hit on it right it's 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 a uh, it, it's cost effective augmentation of of their services um, and we, we work with a lot of different firms that outsource or, or third party uh the majority of, the, of their security functions uh, particularly within like the retail space right um, what we're always trying to do is we're, we're helping those third party security providers, um, by being able to, you know, give them a, I think a, a proactive early warning system to use your words. Um, and we're able to do that, uh, without having to sign separate agreements with, with these third parties, right? The, uh, the, the that, that's why I think one of the, the cooler things that, that we're doing as a company is, um, you know, the, the, the end user, the, the end client, uh, when, when they, you know, I think buy a service like this, um, typically, you know, I, I've seen, we've seen other vendors in the space go out and, and, and try to, you know, nickel and dime third, third party providers to, to also be a subscriber. We, we as zero eyes don't do that. Um, because I, I think, it, you know, the, the only thing that we're truly looking for is we're, we're, we're trying to stop or, or, or mitigate an active shooter threat, right? So, the majority of, of companies that use third-party security providers, we're, we're always going to give them access to our application. Um, they're, they're the folks on the ground that are going to be the initial responders to this kind of event. Um, and, you know, they, they need every kind of tool they, they, that they can have to do their job effectively. Um, we are seeing, you know, and I think with respect to enterprise level, you know, Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 companies, um, we are seeing companies more and more frequently adopt, I think, what I would consider emerging technology. Um, these these firms are looking, like, you know, to your point, they are trying to protect their people uh, as, as best they possibly can. Um, 
there's a an element of you know corporate social responsibility in there. Uh, you know the belief that uh, an employer needs to do everything within their power to ensure that uh, a work environment is, is safe and secure. There's also you know legal considerations. There's there's duty of care, which is a, a portion of U.S. tort law actually, uh, which basically mandates that employers um, have to provide reasonable safety and security accommodations uh, for for basically everybody on site. Um, to include, you know, their their customers and clients and visitors. Um, so what, what we're seeing more and more is that when companies make these sort of capital purchases of, of software and, and, and security hardware solutions, there's always going to be a question of, does this answer duty of, of care uh, responsibilities? Um, and more and more, I'm seeing chief security officers and, and VPs of, of security that also come with a, a significant risk background. Um, so they're looking at things from a duty of care, a reputational damage, and a liability perspective. So I think, you know, if, if as a you know, software OEM, if, if we're able to answer those considerations with something that's reasonable and effective and, and ultimately, you know, not cost prohibitive, I, I think I think we're in a good spot, right? And, and that's that's why we, we, we as ZeroEyes eventually see, I think, universal adoption of, of, a, of a weapons detection capability at public-facing buildings because... Um, you know, if you're familiar with like how building code and fire code were sort of developed in the last 50 or 60 years, um, that that's, you know, I, I think we're in line with with eventually going to some sort of building code, particularly for, for bigger public venues. Um, and, and that's one of the other sort of interesting thing, too, I think, about our our capability is that uh, we're not we're not overly uh, partisan. Right. Our, our, our company and I think the other vendors, too, on the market we're not advocating to take away people's guns. You know, we're not, um, we're, we're not advocating to arm teachers in schools, right? We're, we're a pretty common sense middle ground solution that, that that's cost effective. Um, so with all these kind of forces at work, you know, that that's why I think we're seeing adoption, uh, not just at big enterprise companies, but, but small, you know, to your point, smaller companies too, that probably have to outsource some of their, their security apparatus. So that was a long answer to, uh, I think a fairly short question, but hopefully I kind of hit the hit the points there. Yeah, Karen, uh, great points uh, in that uh, response. And uh, if you look at uh, the experience of active shooter incidents from FBI reporting uh, since uh, 2000 on this topic, uh, the average is within a window of 16 minutes to 29 minutes. So that'll tell you how important it is for the identification of the problem and then taking some action to make yourself safer and to also respond to the authorities about what's happening in that particular area. I'd like to spend, if I can, Kieran, just the next couple minutes on, on going through the action steps of what the process is. If I have a system that's set up, I'm a mature security department, or I have minimal security, but I want to take advantage and leverage the capability that this technology affords me, what does that process look like if I'm sitting there as the head of security at a firm? How do I use this, and what is that process? Sure. Yeah. So the, the first thing that happens, right, is our team will come and do an assessment. We're going to look at your video cameras. We're going to look at your video management systems if you have one, and we're going to look at you know sort of the supporting infrastructure as far as communications and, and workflow, uh, you know, emergency action procedures go. Because um, when our install team shows up, 
what they're going to need is they're going to need um, typically some sort of, of network access, right? We, we need to be able to ingest those video feeds into our, our analytic platform. Um, we can deploy our analytic platform basically one of four ways. We can do an on-prem solution where we put a server on site. We can do a complete cloud solution if a company is comfortable leveraging cloud for this kind of thing. More typically with bigger enterprise firms, we do what's called a hybrid approach where we do some of the processing on site with a secure video appliance and maybe the rest of it happens in the cloud. And then the last way that, that we do, which is also very common, is a complete air gap solution. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're very flexible with how we de deploy the, the platform. And, uh, you know, I don't think we've ever really ran into huge issues with, with getting the network security stuff figured out with, with our clients. Um, so it's a relatively straightforward process, right? If, if we're able to access those video feeds and pull it into our analytic, uh, we turn the analytic on, the analytic then starts, starts working, right? Um, you know, because it's relatively quick and painless, we're, we're able to do hundreds or thousands of cameras, uh, as far as the deployment goes within, you know, within several days, typically, particularly if all the, the, the IT to IT work has been worked out, you know, prior to the engagement really starting off. Um, so it's relatively straightforward and relatively painless. You know, typically the, the stuff that we run into obviously are going to be the IT security folks who, who are always going to have questions about a third-party vendor having access to, to, to part of the network. Um, we're often able to get around this by whitelisting IP ranges and stuff like that to make sure that it's, that's, you know, extra secure. We also have security engineers on staff who look at cybersecurity holistically for our company and make sure that we're, we're doing all the right things that we need to do. Um so yeah, I mean, this, as far as the, you know, if, if you're a chief security officer looking at this, it's it's really you know having us show up on site, doing the assessment, you know, installing the analytic, turning the analytic on, and, and then making sure that the output of the analytic, you know, integrates into your workflow in, in the appropriate way. Um, so we typically go and we'll, we'll test, we'll make sure that uh, you know, for one thing, that the analytics performing and getting weapon detection alerts, and then. The next piece of that is, well, where, the, where do those weapon detection alerts go to? So we have to have an understanding of who in the organization needs to get notified. We have to have an understanding of, does the organization want uh, 911 to be notified if, if there's a, a verified weapon detection alarm uh, that comes in? And then as far as all the other integration pieces to the existing infrastructure, um, you know, wh where do you want us to integrate to? Do you want us to integrate to the VMS or access controls or your mass notification platforms? Um, and, you know, usually these things are, are relatively straightforward. And, you know, I think the good news now is we, we have a playbook ironed out for, for most verticals. So, so nothing really ever catches us by surprise anymore. So, uh, we're able to sort of, you know, in a consultative way, go in and, you know, educate, um, these, these clients because we, we've already, we've been doing this now for three years. So we, we've, we've seen, uh, you know, quite a few different, uh, you know, ways of, of, of kind of cracking the nut on how we do this. So, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. It certainly does, and um, it certainly is a holistic approach to the overall strategic plan of a company, and you can fit that to meet whatever that plan might be for that particular company. I, I want to—I do want to uh, uh, get a response from you on uh, the analytics identify a weapon. It then gets viewed by your command staff at your operations center, and then it gets either verified or not, what's that timeline look like? Yeah, so, so the analytic will make a determination within milliseconds whether something is a, a gun or not. Uh, and then from there, it takes, you know, depending on how it's how the network is set up, between another one to two seconds to get to, you know, any sort of human verification team. 
Zeroize verify, you know, monitors and verifies for the vast majority of our customers. That being said, we do have uh, some customers that are have very mature GSOC capability, and they're they're able to to handle this in house, uh, or they're a government client like the Department of Defense uh, that that we're never going to monitor for. Um, but regardless, a human's always going to verify something. So um, within a second or two, that alert comes to a human, and within another second or two, a human makes a determination whether it's a real gun or not. So you know, from from what I call flash to bang, so a a, a weapon, you know, being under field of view of, of a camera to the end user getting an alert on their cell phone or their desktop dashboard or the PSAP getting that alert, typically is it gonna be anywhere between three and five seconds on average. Um, sometimes if, if significant cloud is involved, it might be up to seven seconds. But, but I, say, I think still realistically, that, that's a very, very quick notification timeline, considering that um, you know, most other solutions on the market are, are I think are you know, particularly reactive. Um, so that, that's really what we're going for. It's the ability to shorten the response time Get that sort of critical real-time information directly out to uh, to first responders as well as the folks on site. Thanks, Karen. And it certainly is a technology that is left of boom, and uh, the ability to early warn on a possible problem only enhances the ability of that company to respond in their already designed response and mitigation strategies. So it's really augmenting what is already established by providing an early warning system, if you will. Karen, again, thank you uh, for uh, your time today and the information provided. Yeah, thank you, Brian, my pleasure. Kieran Carroll is Chief of Staff of Zero Eyes, a weapons detection company used by educators, businesses, and others to help locate threats before they become violent. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Subscribe to RAIN's core membership and get our daily risk book digest, weekly intelligence briefs on cyber, geopolitical, and financial crime, access to knowledge-sharing webinars, and breaking alerts on important risk developments. Sign up today and let RAIN power your business to success. Go to RainNetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. Thanks for listening.